this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to yet another episode of Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network. Today, we're going to be talking about Fast Five, the fifth installment in the insane Fast and the Furious franchise as we lead up to the release of Fast 8 next year. Uh, this is the one. This is the one where we met Luke Hobbs, The Rock. Oh, my God, the body butter. We'll see you guys in just a second. Stick around. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Fast Five. I want some revving engine noises right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Welcome to the show. Welcome to yet another episode of our wonderful show that we love to do, Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, joined today by a man in a purple shirt, (laughs) Mr. Andrew Guy! Hello, hello! I'm here. What is up, everybody? This is, I think, the second time I've seen this movie, and uh, it is very entertaining. It's a little long. It's good. It's a little longer than it should be. Yep. uh, But it is very, very entertaining, and I'm actually very proud of my thesis statement this week. I wonder if it's similar to mine. I like my thesis statement on this one a lot. It's, I feel like it probably is. Yeah, it's what's. Well, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But uh, this is Action Movie Anatomy, guys. We talk about movies on the show. We talk about action movies on the show. And those action movies adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one: the hero always plays by their own rules. This is an ensemble movie, so it's it's kind of unclear who the hero even really is. But uh, is this another one of those situations where it's a combination of hero? Because you think it's because Diesel and Walker like create like the hero the perfect hero. But then also, like, Hobbs is, like, an integral part of why this movie's sweet. So, like, he also becomes part of the hero. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. He's the Gerard. Samuel Gerard. He's as close to Gerard as it gets. Yeah. Um, incidentally, Tommy Lee Jones was supposed to play him. Isn't that crazy? It's so funny. They originally cast Tommy Lee Jones to play the role. Imagine the fist fight between Tommy Lee Jones and Vin Diesel. It wouldn't have been a fist fight. It wouldn't have been a fist fight. <laughs> it would have been a chess match. Yeah, it would have been a chess match, exactly. <laughs> or it would have just been like, it would have been just like, just Vin Diesel like bound on the ground and just Tommy Lee just like, just hitting him with his cane ah, over and over ah, again, ah. over and over again until Vin Diesel like finally broke out and like just beat the crap out of him. Uh. Yeah. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. I don't know. How do, we got to work on our Vin impersonation. I feel like it's a good one, but it's tough. Yeah, it's hard. you got to talk really slowly. Yeah, you do. <laughs> uh. So, in any case, uh, that's rule number one. The hero always plays with their own rules. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. That includes beings, uh, dinosaurs, whatever. Like, just the smartest things. And, and I, Aliens. I, yeah, like, it's weird because, again... The Rock is kind of the villain, but he's also kind of part of the hero. Right. As the villain, he's definitely the smartest guy in the room. Yes. And, and Joaquim de, de Almedia. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was... that. Okay, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, he is not. No. He's just... I mean, that's the thing with so many of these movies. 
and it started to happen with the Mission Impossible movies a lot yeah. too, is it's not about the good guy versus the bad guy. It's about the good guys accomplishing a mission or something like that, or like getting something done. Whereas the bad guy is just a placeholder. It is weird how that, that happens nowadays. Like you see it in the ensemble movies a lot, like this, and they've actually done the same thing with several of the Fast movies now. Yeah, because I want to say the villain in the fourth one, who I don't really quite recall, is also similarly uninteresting. I don't remember at all. Yeah, that should they all? I mean, we were just talking, literally, just talking about this while we're waiting for the internet to come up. Is these all? All these movies blend together. Yeah, for sure. And it's really hard. I mean, it's like a, a really. I mean, if you put them all together in a row and you watch like nine hours of Fast and Furious, yeah, it would feel fine. Like, know? is there a scene at the end of one of them where like, where like Gal Gadot and like Han are like falling off an airplane? And they both die in the same moment or something. Like well, she dies and he lets himself go or something. I think at the end of. Six? Tokyo Drift, is it? No, because I've actually never watched the third one. I've never seen Tokyo Drift. I know that Han gets killed, like, at the very end of Six, it's the clip of him getting killed. So that they use from, I think, the end of Tokyo Drift. Got it. Um, and, he, and, that's, and that's how they carry on the story over to Seven. Yeah. With Jason Statham as the bad guy. Yeah, well, whatever it is, uh, I, I totally agree with you. I can't remember how this works. The rule number three is the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure. That also could be mercenary. Um, yeah, I mean, O'Connor used to be a cop. Used to be a cop, and you know, Vin Diesel is definitely not really a mercenary. He's just a he's just a criminal. Yeah, um, but then but then also like Hobbs is you know he's a cop. So he is. it's it's loose, but it works. And then of course, rule number four: the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Well. That These movies have no shortage of explosions. No, they don't. Um, I mean, there's enough explosion in The Rock's biceps in this movie. Dude, he is so jacked. Yeah. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. It's beautiful. It's really amazing. It's really just like when you watched Arnold back yeah. in the day. Like, to go from Commando to this movie. Yeah. And then you see how... I mean, because he's insanely huge. Yeah, he's just... And he's just like... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. He's like so roided out. It's just like, you're like, you people don't look like that. And it's great because like him and Vin Diesel go hand to hand. And just because for some reason Vin Diesel has massive arms, yeah. it makes it look like it's a real fight. Even though Vin Diesel is just kind of fat. Right. But he has like nice arms. Yeah, but he's like, he's just like, it's not even that he's fat. It's he's just like the, a slab. It's just that the rock is like, he looks like Adonis. And like, yeah. The Rock is just like un, it's like unreal. But you just I have to wonder like, will there be a moment in my life where I ever get to interview The Rock and he just did, he just cops to the roids? Like I just I hope that there's a moment when <laughs> it's he's the like, roids. Yeah, <laughs> with a big smile. <laughs> Twenty or thirty years from now, when like The Rock is like sort of like winding into that second right. phase of his career, he's like in his sixties or seventies. Kind of like what Arnold did too, right? Because Arnold admitted it. Yeah, he's like pretty open about it now. Well, I just I want to I want to just be like, talking to The Rock one day and just be like. Oh my god. Let me tell you. <laughs> I was on so much horse. <laughs> Dude, uh JK, him and JK should have a bicep off. Yeah, Simmons. He's on he's got to be on HGH. He's got to be. He's like 16. Yeah, but looks amazing. Simmons yeah. is actually getting help from The Rock's personal trainer. There you go. Yeah, not surprising. There you go. Um so that those are the four rules of action movie anatomy. Of course, I'm the host, Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. And Mr. Andrew Guy, where can the folks find you? Uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy on just Twitter. Just Twitter. Yeah. And, of course, the podcast itself is also on Twitter. We have a Twitter. It's at AMA Podcast. And you guys have been interacting with us quite a bit. Uh, 
we've done like a live poll thing every week where yeah. we introduce something at the top of the show that we want people to throw at us um, for the end of the show. And I think we've been getting your guys' pitches for movies. We have two that have already been thrown at us the last couple of weeks that we're going to pitch at the end of the episode. Yep. So stick around for that because uh, if you go follow us on Twitter, you'll be able to vote on which of those two movies you'd like to see and have some say in what's going on. I think what I'd like to have people pitch... You guys will notice sometimes we'll introduce new segments to the show. Aha! Uh-huh. I like this. I like where you're going already. Um, we and we do we don't do it often, but sometimes we'll come up with something new and maybe change out something old. We like to keep it fresh and interesting. So, um, what I'd like to do is at the end of the episode, we're going to take submissions for new segments, and yeah. that can be we'll, we'll kind of explain it again at the end of the episode. But we'll call to it, and uh, you guys can either tweet them at AMA Podcast or you can leave them in the comments on YouTube. Whatever it is. Um, you can even name the segment. And honestly, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it. Probably keep the name if we think it's really awesome. Yeah. And if if uh, you guys do post it in the live chat, just know that we may not see it in the live chat. Hopefully I'll see it. But if not, make sure to get it on the comments on YouTube or on the Twitter, Twitter because yeah. we don't want to miss a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the trailer for Fast Five. Mm. Yeah, because we've we've been doing this show for a while, and some of the segments are getting a little uh, little stale. Little stale. Sometimes they're just they, some segments fit some movies better than others. You know mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> Wait, what is this? <laughs> Doesn't look like Fast Five. Right? Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's all of it. Are you crazy? Do you know whose money are you stealing? We ain't stealing. <laughs> we ain't stealing. What movie is this? <laughs> uh, listen up. The men we're after are professional runners. We find them, we take them as a team, and we bring them back. Never. Ever. ever. Yeah, it's one of my, it might be my favorite line. Yeah. yeah. Above all else, we don't ever, ever let them get in the cars. Yeah, it's a sweet line. Yeah. It's excellent. Home sweet home. went from mission impossible to mission of freaking sanity he's the worst actually. yeah he's real bad <laughs> stop thinking like a cop most of the other characters who are secondary are just like whatever like oh, sweet comic relief yeah but he's like just has the worst lines well it's great because it's like lud- he's like the poor man's ludicrous in this movie yeah but like ludicrous, ludicrous gets to shit on him the whole time yeah, and ludicrous gets to be like like, yeah, I was also, like, a rapper-turned-actor, but, like, I'm, like, the nerdy character. Yeah. I'm smart. And you're, like, just kind of <laughs> dumb and loud. Yeah, dumb and loud, <laughs> and you buy expensive cars, and I want to start a chop shop. <laughs> yeah. You know? This was sweet. I remember seeing this in, in theaters, and I thought this was, like, such a cool idea. Yeah. Like, the two cars with the safe. Just barreling stuff over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a good trailer. It is a good trailer, and I think what's cool about it is that, like... They start in the trailer. They let you know that this is not a movie just about racing cars yeah. and like stealing shit. Even though it is, it's it's like it's more advanced, more evolved than the other ones had been. Well, yeah, and that's this is this is marked as the as they made a concerted effort here. Uh, you know, when developing Fast Five, Universal Studios deliberately departed from the street racing theme prevalent in the previous mm-hmm. films in the series. They wanted to make it feel more like a heist movie, so that it was more relatable. Um, so, sort of more like a an Ocean's Eleven type of movie. Which is funny that you say that because right when you're typing that, someone says, uh, "Can you consider Fast Five a heist movie?" And I think so. Totally is. Yeah. I think so because there's that moment in heist movies that you get. One of my one of my favorites is like 
in the score when Edward Norton's getting away and he realize he like opens up the bag and he realizes yeah. it's just like a wrench. And yep. then uh, Thomas Crown Affair, the very end of it with Pierce Brosnan, yeah. with all the paintings and all the guys like walking around. It's just like one of those moments like, holy shit, this is cool. Yeah. And it, and I had that moment watching when they do the switch out with the safe under the bridge. Yeah. Because it was just real quick and subtle and it wasn't over dramatized. It was just like, you got 10 seconds, boys, make it count. Yeah. And then this whole thing changes and happens. And then, of course, the beautiful Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot. driving away. You know what I've heard is actually that it's pronounced Gal Gadot. Fuck. No, I know, but like I I've known that, you know, I still say Gal Gadot. It's just so much hotter. It's so <laughs> and Gal Gadot is like a, it's like you're a Gadot. You're a Gadot. <laughs> no one wants to be a Gadot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, um I love Gal Gadot. I do. She's a beautiful woman. She's gorgeous. She's Wonder Woman. Um yeah, she has superpowers. The next thing we're going to do on the show, guys, is something that we like to call action movie tagline. So this is the thing where we come up with a, like a tagline, something you would see on a box at a movie store, or sometimes like a little blurb. Maybe if you were uh, if you were like looking stuff up on Rotten Tomatoes, and, and it gives you like the the one or two sentence little like blurb of what it is. Right. Um, that's like kind of what we do here because we used to call this tagline as if this was actually a quote you get on a box, which was like a slam bang action thriller. Yes. But usually they're longer and sillier than that. So this would be like if we wrote a review and the logline is what this is. I think that's kind of more what these feel like. Uh huh. Right. Is that, what, is that what we're doing? You want to do it? You don't want to do a sequel this week? Oh, we're do both. Oh, we're gonna do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm getting that you don't have a tagline. Oh, I've got a tagline, <laughs> man. I've definitely got one coming. <laughs> I'll do my tagline. Yeah, I'm gonna write mine. <laughs> yeah, we're also gonna be doing the spinoff this week, which is another segment that we've started doing. But and I, my spinoff is so sweet. Is it? It is so sweet. I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Action movie tagline. Five times the action. Five times the body butter. Dwayne Johnson rocks the house and gives birth to Luke Hobbs. Didn't know you could be the mother and the father. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. It's pretty good, right? Yeah, I don't... Uh, this is tough. I can't. I can't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to resign this week. Yeah? Yeah, I'm going to do it. You're not going to improv it? I'm not going to improv it. Because yeah. that was so good. Mine's just going to be more embarrassing than not even having it. Well, so let's, so let's continue down it the road. It starts with buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> That's yep. all I have. You got that. I wrote it and then crossed it out because I've used it before. If it has to do with a car, we say buckle we up. We say buckle up. Get ready for the ride of your life. Get ready for the ride of your whole life. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so uh, so that's action movie tagline. We're going to continue down the road with the games we like to play here, guys. We'll be getting to thesis statement in just a second. But first, what we're going to do... Uh, you know what? You know what? We'll save it. Uh, yeah, spinoff comes a little later. So okay. we will get into thesis okay. statement right now. All right. Um, so thesis statement, guys, this is something we've been doing since the very beginning of the show. And, and if you're watching or listening for the first time, this is kind of the moment where... You think about this movie on the grand, like the grand scheme of this movie and what it really means, and, and also that your biggest thought about it. So, is this the greatest of something? Is it the first of something? Is it the only something? Uh, the way that you would describe this movie, you know, it's your thesis statement. How would you sell this movie to someone and why this movie matters? Hey, and what's up, Fernie? What's He's up? in chat right now. He's in chat. Fernie, you're in chat. You're supposed to be sitting here in the studio <laughs> with us, buddy. It was because this guy. He's like, uh, <laughs> he goes, she is so hot. We're talking about Gal Gadot, yeah. and he goes more so in real life. And I was like, "Wait, who the fuck is seeing Gal Gadot in real life?" And I look closely. Hey, bro, sorry I messed up. Thought it was tomorrow. No problem, buddy. We're glad that you're here in the chat watching with us. We love you to death, Fern. Yeah, this we wish true. you could be here, but we totally understand. But we're glad. If uh, if you want to call in, I think we can have you call in. If you're listening live right now, I think we can have you call in if you want to. How would we do that? I don't know, Donica. 
just got to dial in four two four. Actually, wait, hold on. Let me. I'll I'll get you the number on screen. Oh, he's watching on set. He's watching okay. on set. Don't worry about it. All okay. Right. okay. Um, uh, guys, Fernie Chen is in this movie. He's a good buddy of ours. We uh, he was in Warrior as well, and he's friends with Anthony and Gavin. He is in Fast Five. Yeah, he's the, he's like the right hand man to Hobbs. He's, yeah, and Ben and I were both sitting there watching the movie. We saw the top of his head, and we were like, "Is that Fernie? I, I know that phone. I know the top of that head. I know that phone." <laughs> he turns around, and starts talking. We're like, "Holy shit, that's our boy!" <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, Fernie Chen is uh, he's on the last ship, and you can find him on Twitter at Fernie Chen. Yeah, Fernie Chen. He's the coolest. He's like legitimately just like the coolest. Anthony, when he was like, "You got to be my buddy, Fernie." Everybody in the world likes Fernie. There's yeah. no one that doesn't like him. He's one of those guys, and he's totally, totally, totally legit. And he plays the villain on the last ship. Yeah, very villainous. He's evil. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Fernie, we love you. Thanks for watching. Yeah, uh, buddy, we appreciate it. So let's get into thesis statement. Uh, this is yeah. This is sort of almost like hyperbole. It's your biggest thought about the movie. Um, so. What's yours? I'm going to jump in since I had nothing to contribute earlier. Yep. Uh, mine is that this is the most important installment of the franchise. Oh, I thought you were about to steal mine. Um, yes, that, that is 100% true. I agree I, with you all the way. Because it's like, it, again, the, even the, the viewers asking, can we call this a heist movie? Yes, you can call the, this a heist movie. And then you're rebooting the series, a dying franchise, a movie that no one, or a franchise that no one wanted to watch anymore. Yeah. Especially with after two, like three and four were just garbage. Um, you're going to reboot it with The Rock, who is on top of the world at the time. And you're also rebooting it in 2011 when all of the people like us, yeah, we've been out of high school and out of college now for a while. And we're just like, th- this is the type of movie that reminds us of being a kid. Yeah. So when this movie came out with the people that were in it, the way it was done, and then to switch the formula, yeah. it is by far the most important of the franchise. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and, and um, everything you said, the weird thing about 4, so... This is why I think that this movie is so interesting and why I think your point makes the most sense mm-hmm. is that – so one came out as a direct ripoff of Point Break. It's the same movie. It's literally the exact same movie. It's just with cars instead of surfers. Yeah. I mean the whole premise, the whole plot, all of it. Even um, the sandwich. Yeah. Even down to the sandwich that they get in the beginning. It's just the same movie. Yeah. But that's fine because it was it was 2001, like it was – you know, or 2000 or something like that. It was like about 10 years later and like it was with like hot actors at the time. It wasn't even supposed to be like a – it wasn't like an epic movie. It was just like an action movie. Yeah. Paul Walker was like young and, and like up and coming, and so was Vin Diesel. Like, so that movie came out and it was okay and it played really well to teenagers and, and everybody liked it and it was Cars and stuff. And the second one, you know, then you cast Tyrese and you cast Ludacris, you get rappers. It's right. Vin's Le- Vin leaves. It's not as good of a movie. It's kind of a travesty. And then three, everyone leaves. Well, that's the weird thing is, so like one of the stars leaves for the second one, both the stars leave for the third one. So when they made the fourth movie, which I, I think must have been like 2008. Yeah. Something like that. I believe so. Uh, they got the whole cast back together and, the, and they paid them all this money. And the idea was we will get the whole cast back together. And it made a good amount of money. Fast and Furious did well at the box office. Yeah. But it wasn't interesting. And it wasn't even bad. I actually paid money to see Fast and Furious in theaters. I saw the fourth one. I skipped two and three, but I saw four. Yeah. And it, I was just sort of like, this movie's sweet, I guess. It's I, fine. I never wanted to see it again. I had, yeah. I didn't remember it fondly. But the weird thing about five is that, like, they, I guess they looked at that and they were like, this may have made a lot of money, but we can't just do this again. We have to change the formula. But, we, but people were willing to go pay money to see that fourth movie because they still loved the, the memory of the first one. Absolutely. Made enough money. They were like, all right, it's, it's worth investing a ton of money and getting this, you know, getting the rock and changing it up. And it totally paid off. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think that couldn't agree more. I think that's really interesting. Like that's one of those swing for the fences moments. Um, and, and, it, and look at where the franchise has gone now. Like yeah. the money that Seven made last year was crazy. I mean, just the money that was made in, in Hollywood last year was incredible. Yeah. But, uh, so what's yours? So my thesis statement is this is the most important movie of The Rock's career. Oh, okay. So it's, I know it's pretty bold, but... What about Be Cool? So <laughs> here's, here's my defense, right? And I read an article from like three years ago, mm-hmm. two or three years ago, and it was about The Rock's career and where he was at the time of the article. And, and they basically were sort of like, The Rock was this incredibly charismatic uh, wrestler. You know, he had played football. He was always that guy that was like the most, he was the most charismatic or engaging part of a movie in the mid-2000s. He was in movie after movie after movie. But like the kind of roles he was getting and the kind of things he was in, it, it was never quite like The Rock had his own movie and that movie was really good and it made a ton of money. And he was like, it was like he was perceived as, a, as an A-list movie star, mm-hmm. but he wasn't actually a movie star. Like Walking Tall, for instance, movies like that are the things he was right, making. Right, right. They were all like kind of B movies. So prior to this movie, it was like, it was like, okay, so they cast him in this movie, and, and I think everybody can pretty much agree that The Rock is the best part of this movie. Like, pretty, pretty, like, yeah. it's like pretty indefensible that, like, that they have any other opinion. Like, he's, he's sweet. He's just the best. He's engaging, he's charismatic. Yeah, exactly. He's, he is exactly what you expect when you say The Rock. Yeah, you walked out of this, I walked out of this movie, I remember seeing it in theaters just being like, fuck yeah. Yeah, The Rock <laughs> stole the show. Like, yeah. he was, th- that guy just made that movie. Everything, it was like his whole wrestling personality, but in a fucking in cop. In a sweet cop, yeah. yeah it was, that was believable somehow. So I remember reading this article in like 2012 or 2013, and they were, and they were sort of like, his most memorable character up till 2012 or 2013 was Luke Hobbs, a supporting cop in the fifth installment right. of the Fast and the Furious franchise. For somebody as famous as him, that makes no sense. So he fired his whole team, started his own production company, Seven Bucks Productions, relaunched his whole career, designed this whole platform for the next few years for him to have this like upward movement in his career, which is when he, that's when he, you know, signed all these deals. He he had Ballers coming out. He made mm-hmm. San Andreas. He made Hercules. He, you know, Central Intelligence. Like he really started to think about, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the biggest thing, right? I'm only gonna be the star in giant movies. I'm not gonna be in these B-list things. I'm not gonna be supporting characters and mm-hmm. things. And he did, and he changed it. And now The Rock is a brand. He's about as famous as an action star, movie star, yeah. as anyone in the world. Like, Absolutely. And it, isn't it crazy that you can be as big as The Rock was in 2011 and still have to try that hard to rebrand yourself as a real, like, credible talent in this business? Yeah, like, The Rock is to action movies now what, like, Leo is to drama. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, I don't think there's anybody who is on his level right now, because they would be... The guys that the guys that like had that moment have been added to this franchise now. Like Statham, Statham was like yep. on that path, and he just got added to the franchise. Like The Rock is the guy. He's, He's totally the guy. the guy. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that is a, I think that's a very good thesis statement. I know that the audience agrees as well, um, because they said it in here, and it's true. Because if this movie wouldn't have happened for The Rock, he would have. His career would it, it could have gone up or down in 2011. And yeah, it skyrocketed instead of going to the ground. Yeah, it's crazy. We're we'll show we'll show the uh, the box office clip later. You can sort of look at all of his highest grossing movies and see. <laughs> there's like 85 percent of them happened in the last four years. Yeah, um, there's a few of them like you know movies he was in because you mentioned Be Cool, which is somebody so that's a movie that right. That I'm was be honest, the, I've never never seen it. Have you seen his scene in it? No. Oh I, my god. I know. Everybody always yeah. references it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's supposed to so be hilarious. Yeah. People always talk about it like it's one of the funniest things he ever did. It was because it was the first time that he made fun of himself in a way that was not only just like completely vulnerable, vulnerable, but it was yeah. 
fucking hilarious. He played like he was like a monologue. He did the he did the bring it on <laughs> the duet, scene. Right? Yeah, but he's like I'm going to read it as a monologue. <laughs> he does both voices and it's just amazing. The commitment is amazing. Yeah. The Rock. Uh Fernie, I see that you're still in chat here and I did want to ask you a question and you can answer it whenever you like. I know you're on set and if you're too busy, don't worry about it because we're going to move on here anyway. Um I just want to ask with with 6 and 7 coming out and the death of Paul Walker and and you got to really look into the lives of the people on set and how they felt about each other. What was it like working on a movie with a cast that was that close? Was it, was it, was it one of the most like intimate cast you'd ever worked on? Or is that something that was it just like the, the, the small group of people that had been in all the movies together? Like, what was it like being on set with these guys? Because it seems like when you watch these movies yeah. that everyone's just having the best time yeah, and everyone's just chilling on set and it just seems like a great place to be. Totally. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. It was just a question that I had. Yeah, if you hear it, Fern, just uh, throw it in chat, or uh, you can also just t- you can tweet it at one of us if it's easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, take your time, man. Yeah, whatever you gotta do. Um, but uh, in any case, that is that that's that's thesis statement. So let's continue down the path of where we go with this show, which is fist bump <sighs> moment. And this is uh, we're playing a lot of games today. We are. It's good. Playing a lot of games. <laughs> um, fist bump moment is that moment when you are watching the movie and something happens that really just makes you just like look around and be like is anybody else watching this this is so fucking sweet yeah like i god you want to call your buddy and be like dude go turn the movie on you got to see this part or like you know you, you see him next year like did you see that movie it's that part where he's like he does this thing yeah, this thing like, oh yes! yeah oh my god what do you do yes yeah, yeah. exactly um, that's fist pump moment so um i got a bunch it's funny okay when i saw this in theaters my fist pump moment was a hundred percent I'll ride with you, Toretto. Right. When The Rock says it, yeah, yeah, yeah. so excited. Yeah, it's a very so good one. excited. Um, but watching it again last night, it's even before that. It's when it's the scene where uh, you know The Rock's whole team, Fernie included, gets gunned down, and mm-hmm. they save The Rock, and he's like looks up at Vin Diesel, and they do like they do the arm thing, the, but they, they do like the arm it's lock, the arm shake, yeah, it's the arm shake. And I was like, yes! I, I totally had an actual fist bump in that moment. That was even more for me than I'll ride with you, Toretta. But those are the two. That's me. a good one. You know our buddy Chad at, uh, over at the West Side? Yeah. That's the only way he shakes hands. He does. He does the, the full arm shake. The arm shake. Yeah, he's the only one that I know that does that. Uh, here we go. Fernie says that Paul was the best and very inclusive. Yeah, all the cast hung out and was, was mainly led by people like Ludacris, Tyrese, and Paul. Vin does his own thing off set, but on set, he's there. The Rock is probably the coolest, but he was also very new. Yeah. Which is kind of funny to think about The Rock being super cool, but kind of like yeah, tentative totally. <laughs> people. Ah, Fernie, you're the best, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So I have th- I have a couple. Okay. Um, two of them is two of them are just because of of what they mean for me in my life, and that was uh, <laughs> the first one was when Joaquim de Almeria came up. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> Ben and I we've worked in Santa Monica for a long time, and he's a regular on the street, and he loves to go and talk to to younger girls. Uh-huh. And he he goes, "You may recognize me as the villain in a number of American action movies." <laughs> so when I saw him pop up, and I was just like, "Oh fuck yes, this is the best. This is the best." I don't think I had met him yet when I saw this movie. I think I must have met him a year or two later okay. when he used that line, <laughs> and that was like my favorite. That was my favorite line. I think he's used the line on me twice. It's a good line. I don't think he remembered that he met me the first time because he was wasted both times. Right, right. But that's like that's like the uh, 
That's clearly his go-to. It is. I mean, Desperado. Is yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Was the, that's what I remember him from first. Danger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one was when we when I saw Fernie because that just cracked me up. Yeah. Uh, and but it was my third one was it was when is Gal Gadot driving the truck away? Yeah, looking super hot because yeah. not only is she gorgeous and she looks completely out of place driving that dump truck. Yeah. But it's like Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze in the scientist jacket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm a sucker for that moment when yeah. you realize the heist, what, what has changed, what has happened, because the rock's opening the safe at the same time. And so that, that's my fist pump, my real one. That's awesome. Yeah, this movie was definitely full of them. Um, so moving on, we will get into breakdowns, our profiles, a little bit of the uh, what's going on with how this movie was made and, and the guys involved. Uh, we're going to breeze through it a little bit because we have, we're a little limited on time today, but mm-hmm. uh, we will we will touch on this stuff quickly. So looking at their two careers, Vin Diesel has is this was a funny moment in Vin Diesel's career, right? Because one of the major reasons that Fast and Furious in 09 was such a big deal mm-hmm. was that he had taken a pretty serious break from acting. He, uh, sometime in that... Something about Walker? No, about Vin Diesel. Oh, Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah, Because he's in that movie Find Me Guilty in 2006, which I want to say is a Sidney Lumet movie. Um, it's like a weird, satirical, like, kind of comedy, but, like, it's it's not really a comedy. It's just an odd movie. Right, because he did try to be a real actor for a while there. Yeah, and there's movies in the years before Find Me Guilty, like, you know, 03 and 04, when he decided not to come back for the second Fast movie. Mm-hmm. But then you'll notice there's this break. There's Babylon AD in 08, which I don't know if you ever saw. Yeah. It's appalling. It's atrociously one of, bad. One of the worst movies. When I was younger, I kept getting confused with Battlefield Earth because they were both so bad. Yeah. And the names are kind of similar, but that movie's really bad. There's, I can, I can, <laughs> there's it's the a period. Jupiter in, Ascending. Yeah, there's a, there's a period in time when my buddy Teddy and I used to go, I've said this on the show, we would go on Saturday nights to go see the, the worst movie of the week with the <laughs> highest expectations. We did this for a solid year and a half, so there's like a lot of bad movies in there, and Babylon AD was definitely in that mix. Yeah. We saw it one Saturday, and I remember just like just like walking out and like it was like hilariously bad like right. i wanted to talk to everyone i knew about how hilariously bad it was but no one else would see it or no. had seen it so no one knew what i was talking about was there a point when you guys were doing this and you hit a wall and you were walking out of a movie and you're like i just we can't do this anymore <laughs> no no, <laughs> no. <laughs> i think i just left i moved i moved away from seattle that's it was, great it was too fun um because we would also go to Cheesecake Factory and house like three beers and like a giant piece of cheesecake uh, each before the movie. Sounds great. It was being being twenty was a lot of fun. It's a, it's much nicer than being twenty. <laughs> what I mean is being twenty one because I was ordering the beers legally. 100%. Of course, of it was a course. Slip of the tongue. Um, so <laughs> Cheesecake Factory is an upstanding establishment. <laughs> yeah, they would never serve me beer. I was just misremembering. So. Um, uh, then you look at Paul Walker and like he was in a very different phase of his career. You know, Paul Walker had been. He had been gunning for it for, like, the entire 2000s. Yeah, he was the it guy. Yeah. For, or one one of them. Yeah, right. But the, the weird thing was that despite the fact that they both had blown up around the same time with, like, Into the Blue and Triple X, mm-hmm. Fast and the Furious, like, they both of those guys had a great run from, like, 2000, 2003. They both were kind of falling off. It's because it's cause they're just not that great yeah. at acting, Wal- Walker unfortunately. Had, Walker had a few movies that he turned in some strong performance yeah and don't get me wrong i love paul walker and i yeah. love vin diesel yeah but it's it's just tough because you got to remember everyone else that was gunning for it at that time too yeah like walker he's in a movie called running scared that i remember mm-hmm. i liked a lot that's yeah, pretty good uh and he has he has some good moments um dramatically anyway but i think it's cool that obviously they they all took the payday because they got paid a huge amount of money to yes. come back and do in 09 you know, the lazarus project that's a theater piece that's a play it's a very famous play that he made the, the movie adaptation of takers i like 
vaguely was that the, remember. It was the like the gang movie, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. With a bunch yeah, I think Taker is like it was just one of those things. I don't know. You see this happen to young actors sometimes where they they really have like that they're a rising star and then you start seeing them pop up in these movies that don't really look like premiere releases. Yeah, it's interesting because all three of them were actually kind of at the same place in their career except for The Rock was on his way up and the other two were kind of on their way down. Yeah, The Rock had like, The Rock still like sort of like had that like shiny like yeah, anything can happen with this guy because he's so charismatic. Feel whereas like we've, I think in a lot of ways, people at that point felt like they had seen the best of Vin and Paul already, right? Um, which obviously the next three movies in this franchise completely changed everybody's minds. So, so The Rock's career, what he was up to was he um, <clears throat> he was in an episode of Transformers Prime in 2010. He was in Faster. He was the driver in yeah, Faster. I remember that. He was in You Again as an air marshal, uncredited. Uh-huh. He was in The Other Guys. Which is one of my favorites. One of your favorites. But comic relief, yeah. Yep. Uh, Why Did I Get Married to, uncredited. Yeah. And then Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Like, that was his career at the time. That was his career for... Uh, that was all happening in 2010. Yeah. So, like... He was I mean, just making the wrong decisions. He was decisions. just making the wrong decisions, but he was just trying to, to break through. Yeah. And he just wasn't doing it right. Yep. And it's crazy that this movie as you said in your thesis, was yeah. just, this is it. Because cool. as soon as his Fast Five's over, the next thing he does is he's like in the video, he's in the WWE video game. The next movie he does is Snitch, where he's, I think he's one of the leads in it, and then G.I. Joe yeah. Retaliation, where he is yeah. kind of like Hobbs yep. of G.I. Joe. Yeah. And then just big movie after big movie. Yeah. What year was um was uh, that absolutely appalling movie he was in, the follow-up to Donnie Darko? Southland Tales. What year was oh, that? Oh, uh, 2006 maybe? Yeah, I think so. I, <laughs> I thought about that movie in so long. 2006, like, yep. That's one of the worst movies ever made. Which was this is the year after he did Doom. Um, he was in Reno 911, Miami the movie. Yeah. He's a quick cameo in the beginning. He's good though? Amazing. What's, you've seen Southland Tales? No. He keeps saying one, he, he keeps saying one line over and over and he's like, because pimps don't cry, or something like that, <laughs> or like, or like, there's like some line like that. I don't remember what it is, but right. if anybody in the chat has seen that movie and remembers the line, uh, please let me know. Or please, <laughs> if you want to just laugh about how bad that movie is, that's great too. Um, what's we're okay, okay. So let's get into uh, because we did a career retrospective at that moment on Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. We're now talking about The Rock and how important he is to this movie. Mm-hmm. So we aren't going to be doing recast later in the episode. Um, just a quick heads up. Recast we're finding is something we want to do more sparingly. We want to save it for certain movies. Yeah, and this one. A, we've recast this cast before, I think, because we did Furious 7. Yeah, Fernie, um, take care. Yeah, take care, Fernie. He's going back to filming anyway. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, like, it's just, I don't know, it, did, it didn't sound that interesting to try to have to recast a big cast, like an ensemble cast of supporting characters. It's tough to recast the cast that started and finished is still the same, yeah. you know, over the course of almost two decades. So know? we so we split up recast into a couple different games. The first of which is the spin-off. The spin-off. So this is a new game. We, we introduced this for the Rock episode, I think. No pun intended. Um, and this is where basically you have one minute to pitch your spin-off movie of, and in this case, it's the Luke Hobbs spin-off movie. This can be anything. This can be an origin story. This can be a direct sequel. This can be him showing up in another universe. Anything you want. This is if you get to make the Luke Hobbs movie. Right. Uh, you need a title. You need the characters. A couple actors. That's what you got. Um, Donka, you, you going to time us? This is Marissa. Marissa, are you going to time us? Hi, Marissa. <laughs> Hi, Marissa. Okay, sweet. Uh, do you want to go first? Should I? Sure. All right. This is called Hobbs, the Untold Story. Okay, counting down. Marissa, ready? Okay. And go. Thank you. So, this is the story following Hobbs as soon as this movie ends, because this movie technically falls in line 
right before Tokyo Drift, sure, but before Seven. Yeah. So I want to see him kind of like what they did with the new Batman vs Superman movie. Yeah. I want to see him chasing Dominic Toretto and Paul Walker down, but he's always like a step or a day behind them. Okay. So it's like you can see all the shit that they did, and yeah. he's just a day late. Because I love at the end when he's like, "I'll see you soon." He's like, "No, you won't." Yeah. So I want to see the story of Paul. I mean, of of Hobbs chasing down Toretto all the way up to the uh, to six. To six, I believe, is when you see him again. Yeah. So I want to see all the shit that he goes through. I want to see him learning how to drive. I want to see him encountering other bad guys along the way that are trying to keep Toretto and Walker safe because they're in the family. I want to see him hunting Vin Diesel for two hours. So you're talking that is what I want. You're talking Fast and the Furious five point five. Yeah, five point five, right in the middle. Okay. The, the, the Luke Hobbs, the untold story. Ah. <laughs> all right, very good. Uh, <laughs> all right, here's what I got. Ready for this? I'm ready. Three, two, one. Pineapple Express two. <laughs> The Hunted. <laughs> here's the here's the premise. Once again, Seth Rogen apparently like happens upon some government secret about like some crazy thing to do with the government growing weed. Okay, now the government knows about this, and there's a splinter cell led by none other than Danny McBride, who's been hired out as a mercenary to find and kill Seth Rogen. Oh. But the other faction of the government, who's good, hires Luke Hobbs to hunt down Seth Rogen, who has gone missing. And when he goes to find him at James Franco's house, Franco's like, no, you have to let me come with him. I know him better than anyone. I'll help you find him. So okay. it turns into like a buddy movie with James Franco and Luke Hobbs going across the country being chased by Danny McBride to hunt down Seth Rogen. How badly do you want Danny McBride to just be a bad guy in a movie? So badly. That's all you want. That's my, that's my pitch. Pineapple Express 2. I hope you guys heard that. I hope you heard how fucking sweet that would be. I would watch it. Because, look, the, the Men in Black 3 uh, slash uh, 23 Jump Street yeah. uh, crossover is coming out. Why couldn't you just put Luke Hobbs into a Pineapple Express movie? You could literally put him in any movie yeah, with a cop in it. Don't you think that would be an amazing movie? I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah, it would be hilarious. Incredible. Because The Rock's so funny. He, he and yeah. Franco together would be just brilliant. So. Do you think The Rock can lead... So let's say my movie was real. Yeah. But let's say it wasn't in the Fast and the Furious world. Can The Rock be a leading man in an action drama? Can he do it? It's hard to say, right? Because we keep seeing him try and he falls flat. It's like San Andreas, right? Mm-hmm. Like San Andreas is like made a lot of money... It wasn't particularly well reviewed. People liked it, but it wasn't a hit in the sense that it gets remembered as a hit. Yet they're mm-hmm. making a sequel because it made a lot of money. And then in like Walking Tall and the Rundown, it's just hard to take him seriously as that guy. Yeah, we have to discredit. I know those are bad. Yeah, yeah. well, not, not only that, but we have to also like give him give, give him credit where credit's due that he's grown a tremendous amount yes. as a leading man now. So I think so. Like it's weird. It, it's just weird that there is that thing like Hercules where he just. He oh, just yeah, he forgot. does movies that just don't. That's the part. That's the one part of his career that still feels like it's missing. Mm-hmm. But you know, whatever. He's he's still killing it. Like yeah. Um, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. But let's uh, let's talk a little about production development. So we've we've gone over a lot of these guys before, and uh, it's it's a pretty consistent team. the The big difference is that three and four on is where you get a lot of the same people, like yeah. four especially, but some of the people from three came back to work on four or five. Um, the guys from those first couple movies, in a lot of cases, aren't still working on them anymore. Yeah, everyone other than... Um, uh, Neil Moritz? Neil Moritz, who's produced all seven of them. Yeah. And, I'm and sure he's very wealthy. Moritz is a huge producer. Yes. Enormous. He's the. He, I was talking to Evan Goldberg um, about he and Seth Rogen optioning Preacher um, at the Preacher premiere recently, and... They were – Evan was telling me a story of just being on set and just, like, hanging out with Neil and, like – I think it was on Green Hornet because they produced Green Hornet. And apparently just Neil was like, oh, Preacher, huh? Like, 
if I got the rights to that, would you guys make it? You know, and this is the rights that have been kicking around for years. Right. Huge, tons of money to own it. And they were like, yeah, in a second. And he's like, all right, I'll buy let's it. talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what happened. He made Preacher. Like, that's how that guy is. So he's, yeah. Neil Moritz is a total badass. Um, his, so he has a production company called One Race Films. Um, and Vin has one called Original Film. So those two production companies partnered together mm-hmm. as the major producers on this film. There's about 10 or so producers listed. Some of them are regional line producers, like some stuff in Russia that was shot. You have uh, the line producers shooting stuff in Brazil because a lot of this is shot on site. Right. You have executive producers. There's very big names. It's not even. It's not like some of these cases where you have three or four. Like nine people that you don't recognize any of them. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of these people have major, major, major track records. So to go into all of that is uh is not gonna happen but yeah i mean he's the, he's the biggest one he's the biggest part he's been there since the beginning yeah you know moritz and vin are the two because you know moritz other stuff is like you know he worked on the 21 jump street reboot the entire triple x franchise yep. he just works on a lot of stuff um it's interesting with these guys that direct these movies yeah because it, it does give you a different feel and so because they've gone through who was was it Juan that did the seventh one uh Juan. james Wan. We're thinking of someone Maybe. else. Maybe that sounds right. I believe that's right. And then Justin Lin did this one, and it's like they get these very particular stylized directors. I thought that Lin maybe directed five, six, and seven, or maybe he just directed four, five, and six. I'm gonna look it up while you talk about him. Um, yeah, Lin is funny. You remember that movie, Better Luck Tomorrow? Did you ever see it? I didn't see it. I remember it coming out. Yeah, because the same as me. I remember the box. Yeah, I just yeah, remember exactly. seeing it in the video store, and I, I remember hearing about it, and it had all these awards on it. And it was one of those times where, you know. Blockbuster, for instance, where you you spend a lot of time in Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in a local video store. <laughs> you didn't work there. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like it is now where, you know, the online version of a video store, a Netflix streaming you know platform or Amazon where just everything's there. And, right. And the stuff that's featured at the front is the biggest, but the obscure stuff is, like, less big. It used to really be. Like, Blockbuster had a limited number of slots. So if a movie like yeah. Better, Luck, Better Luck Tomorrow that was with – it was a Taiwanese-American film – that had a ton of actors who most people didn't recognize in America, and it was sitting on the shelf next to your major releases, it had broken through. It had won a bunch of awards. It, it was discussed as great action. Um, so, yeah, Lynn did Fast 3 through 6. Yeah, he did 3 through 6, then Juan did 7. James Wan. James Wan. And yeah. He's directed other stuff that we know. But. Yeah, he did something. He's, been, he's doing real big stuff right now. So and this franchise is so big now that like you, the only only like the biggest names get to work on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what it was. James Wan was real big for doing horror movies. He'd done uh, The Conjuring, um, Insidious, Insidious Two, Conjuring Two, um, Dead Silence. But he's the guy that's doing Aquaman. That's why oh, we've been talking James about Wan. a lot. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. So I mean, again, like you get a guy that he, he was just doing horror movies, and then he gets put on. Furious 7, and yeah. now he gets direct Aquaman. This is, this is a great example, if you look at the guys involved with this movie, of how much the success of a franchise, and, and if you get put on a successful franchise, yeah. how much your brand gets to grow. Because you, you jump over from Justin Lin, who, okay, great example, Fast 3 through 6, he directed two of the eight episodes of True Detective Season 2. Now, yes. obviously, True Detective Season 2 wasn't very good. Didn't matter. That was one of the most high-profile shows in the world at the time. Everyone in the world was watching what you were doing. Here's the things he's attached to. Space Jam 2. He's going to be directing Space Jam 2. Yep. Um, He's going to be doing the Bourne sequel with Jeremy Renner, the next Bourne movie with him. And he just directed Star Trek Beyond, coming out later this summer. So, yeah, Justin Lin, I'd say he's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, this is the type of movie... It's not a gimme by any means. Just because you know the formula and the plot... 
doesn't mean that you can make it interesting and fun to watch. So, right. like, for these guys to take over this franchise, a franchise with this much money behind it and that much star power, and deliver something that audiences love, that means that they can basically do anything that right. has a formula and a, and, a, and a plot line behind it already, like a Star Trek movie, you know? Completely. And it also is really interesting when you're like, oh, he did a Fast and the Furious movie, you're going to let him do Space Jam? But it's like, when guys are able to make movies of this level feel this like palatable for everybody Mm -hmm. you just know they've got it they've got they have an understanding of story that translates to every genre so um looking over though that like sort of the the residual success success look at chris morgan so he and gary scott thompson are like the two major credited writers gary scott thompson is credited as characters from the first movie so he gets credit on every movie morgan is the main writer on this one um he has been a big budget action movie writer just in general you know wanted 47 ronin uh, fast four, three through seven and writing eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he's working on a new Conan the Barbarian film. In 2011, though, he launched his own production company. And now he's pr- a producer on The Mummy reboot coming out in 2017. Starring? <laughs> Starring Tom Cruise. This mummy needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> if, this, <laughs> if this mummy doesn't get out of the water, it's going to die. We are going to be wrapped up. Uh, yeah, which is awesome because the Mummy movies were fun and stupid. The first one's pretty good. The, the original of The Mummy is actually a pretty sweet movie. But if they can make it, like I'm hoping with Mena and stuff that Tom Cruise is going to start taking like a more dark, serious approach to movies. Is Okay, is there any reboot that seems more preposterous to you for Tom Cruise to be involved with than The Mummy? Uh, it's pretty weird. That's, like, when I first a, saw that, I couldn't even believe it. it that's, like, baffling. That's, like, mm-hmm. it, I think one of the reasons it's so weird is that by the time the first Mummy movie came out, Tom Cruise had already been famous and in giant franchises of his own for, like, 15 years. Yeah, it'd be like putting Denzel in a Bad Boys reboot. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's exactly <laughs> you know? what it'd be like. It's so weird. It's like, I guess I could see it happening. Yeah. But it's like it's not like Denzel in the Magnificent Seven remake because that came out before Denzel was a thing. You're right. It's like Cruz headlining the Mummy, a movie that came out in the middle of his career when he was still very successful because the first Mummy came out in like 2002 or something. Yeah, right. Like the most successful part of his entire career. Yeah. Like also also like not regarded by most as like a seminal movie, just like no. a movie that people liked. Like the first one's sweet, but the, the rest of the series goes so downhill and then gets taken over with the Scorpion King and the Rock and all that, that it just, it's a laughable franchise. Like, like, like the Mummy doesn't get talked about as like one of the 10 best movies of our time. And no, it, I would be just as offended if it was Tom Cruise starring the National Treasure reboot. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> I, I, I never saw National Treasure, but it's like... Talk, people talk about it like it's maybe 10% worse than The Mummy. Like, yeah. It's pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's about it. Um, anyway, that's very strange, but, you know, hats off to you, Chris Morgan. Uh, you get to work with Tom Cruise. That's awesome. Yeah. It's got to be a good time. It'll be great for your career. Um, so we're going to get into box office and critical here, and this is this is fun when it gets to these movies because they cost a lot and they make a lot. So this movie was a, um, produced by Universal and had a budget of $125 million. It opened yep. April 29th in 2011. Domestically, it grossed $209 million, which was pretty great. But internationally, it grossed $416 million. Yeah. For a grand total of $626 million. You wonder if there's some part of them that hired Justin Lin because of his success on Better Luck Tomorrow and that because he's Taiwanese. Mate, I mean, it could you be. You could market the, the director of Better Luck Tomorrow. It's yeah. kind of the same. It's like, sort of like the John Woo effect in some ways. Yeah, right? for sure. 
and and this movie has mass appeal because it, it's uh, it's always these franchises or in this franchise they shoot all over the world. Yeah, you know, so people in Brazil, people in Tokyo, people where you know, etc. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, I remember seeing that in our town. Let's go, let's go see it. Let's go exactly. watch it. You know, six hundred twenty-six million, and that's the crazy thing is that that just keeps growing. Yeah, six made a ton. Seven made like a record-breaking amount of money. Yeah, I mean, this movie opened at eighty-six million domestically. Like, yeah. That's huge. You just wonder what eight's going to make. Yeah, um, uh, seven point three on IMDb, which is is great. It's got a seventy-eight percent by all critics, seventy-nine by top, and an eighty-three by audience. Yeah, it follows our algorithm that Those we are have high numbers Those they're are very high. high and i think six and seven are even higher yeah that's crazy people it's it's funny this is the only franchise this is the only franchise with numbers this high that makes money like this it's the only right. one in history ever there's i don't think there's even I yeah mean, i mean that's another good thesis that this this is one of the only franchises where it only keeps getting better with each installment i guess i mean i just made that up just right now off the top of my head so if i'm forgetting something obvious then i am but like I think, like, if you're talking about Marvel as a franchise, or you're talking about the James Bond property as a franchise, mm-hmm. or Mission Impossible as a franchise... I guess Mission Impossible gets better as they keep going on as well. Four and five made a lot of money, but yeah. not this kind of money. Seven no. is like Seven is like the third or fourth... What? No. Seven's like in the top five highest grossing movies Absolutely. ever made. Yeah, it? I mean, three of the top five happened last year. That was World, Seven, and Avengers. Uh, no, no, Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Which was just huge yeah i'm so excited Big, for Rogue one i know um, it's gonna be great let's talk a little bit about these reviews so you have stephen cole gave it a rotten review from globe and mail said always preposterous though never actually silly knowingly funny without ever being self-conscious fast five is a passable action flick that will more than entertain its core audience on the other side of that we got mick lasalle who said the first sequel to the 2001 the fast and furious that's worth watching that isn't an embarrassment or a travesty of the original picture See, that's, to me, very harsh on 4. I don't think 4 was that bad. I don't think it was a travesty. Yeah. I think Tokyo Drift was a travesty. Though it's weird, like, when you talk to people who love this franchise, they love Tokyo Drift. Really? Tokyo Drift is, like, a cult classic. Like, I, like people I mean, the lo- driving's sweet in it because it's, like, a different type of racing. Yeah. But... What is drifting? What is that? Drifting is where you, you take corners... And, like, you pull your e-brakes so the back of your car, like, whips around yeah, okay. and peels out. So you can take corners going high I speeds and keep going. something more interesting. I, the thing where you pull your e-brake, that's what it that's is. That's it, yeah. And yeah. you take, just turning. That's it. <laughs> We're so white. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Um, yeah. I, I, whatever. Honey, what's drifting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are talking about it. First single, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I think that these reviews are both kind of, like... Well, it's interesting. I, I pulled the first one because it's, like... It's not even a negative review. No, it's not really. It's actually kind of like lukewarm. Yeah. Uh, and then the second one I pulled for that exact reason is because I I think it was a little harsh. Yeah, but also like lukewarm. Like it's it's just all it says is that it's the it's worth watching. Yeah. It doesn't even say it's good. No, it's definitely a good movie. Yeah. This is this is a good action. Movie. Its biggest fault is that it is twenty minutes too long. Yeah. And like that one scene, I was trying to decide how I felt for the one scene where where Toretto's talking to O'Connor about his dad. I remember oh, everything. yeah. Because, like, you know, you only get a couple scenes like that. But I think they wanted to, like, you know, make the movie have a little more substance and, like, their relationship. Trying to give and, a bit of a soul. And he's going to be a dad and everything. So they wanted to do that. But that's, like, those. that's one of those moments where you're just like, I wonder if this movie's better or worse without this. Right. Like, you know? does this movie, does this part matter at all? And it doesn't, I don't think. Because when you just mentioned it, I, you, like, I forgot that I was happened. like, oh, yeah, that, that did happen. That was touching, I guess. There's also, like, the whole entire thing, which is just that, like, the bad guy and all of his scenes are totally useless. 
I know. Like he does I, not need to be in the movie. Like Hobbs, but Hobbs needs motivation to, to join the team. Yeah. So the bad guy has to kill everybody. So that's that. Um, let's talk about favorite line. Let's do it. We kind of alluded to this earlier. My originally my favorite line is when when the Rock first meets his uh, his deputy, who you know ends up. I think does she end up with Vin Diesel in the next movie? Is that what it is? I think so. Or in I think it's it's either six. in six or seven that it happens. Well. So I must have seen Six at some point. I have to because I feel like I remember too many of the things that happened in between. Because uh-huh. then Letty comes back and, and she replaces her, right? Yeah. In Seven? Yeah, she comes back in Seven replaces her. So it must have been in Six. Must have been in Six. She comes back from the dead. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's the end of this movie that you see that? It's after the credits? Oh, is it? I turned it off. I did too. I forgot to I had to go. But I think when I saw it in theaters, <laughs> I, you know. Um, but so that's, there's that line when he first shows up and he's like, and he's like, what do you need? And he says the first thing, and he's like, and stay the fuck out of my way. Which yeah. is like, that was like my first That original. was my first one. Yeah. yeah, of course. And then the other one is that, and we don't ever, ever let them get in the cars. Those are like the two lines for me. Right. That, yeah. yeah, that was, so that one was mine. Yeah. We don't ever, ever let them get in the cars. That was my, my main one. But the other one was <clears throat> when the safe is flying around and yeah. like just hitting shit and yeah. killing people. And Paul Walker's like, holy shit. Holy shit. Like, yeah. there was something that I was like, yeah, dude, that would be fucking terrifying Nuts. pulling that thing at, like, those high speeds and just flinging all over the place. Yeah, it's crazy. But I, I like that part. Um, we've got a hero-villain ranking uh, to pull up here. We do. I didn't rank Hobbs at all. I didn't. Oh, just because... I just didn't... I mean, I don't know. I just didn't do it. Like, I think he's cool. I enjoy him. Like, you didn't rank him because you feel like he isn't good enough or because of, like, a Gerard situation? Well, I have Gerard on mine... I know. That's crazy to me. I know. I, I put him, I think I put him directly ahead. You did. Of, yeah, right? Like, I, it looks like he is one spot behind Gerard for Yeah. Me. Looks like he's number 20 on the heroes list. I just couldn't say. Oh, wait. This is villains. I put it on villains. Oh, you put it on villains. Yeah, because they're anti-heroes. I guess that's where I put Gerard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. I don't know why. Like, I do really like him, but I just. I looked at the other people on the list, and I just didn't want to put him on. Jeez, man, he feel, he's like one of my he's my he is in this movie my single favorite part of this. Entire I mean, he franchise. is the best part of the well, other than the quick drag <laughs> racing scenes with all the pretty girls. <laughs> he is the best part of the franchise, but I I don't know, man. I just couldn't do it. I don't know why. Well, so okay, moving over to where we ranked the film, um, top top. So you didn't rank, and I didn't rank any heroes. Did yeah, you? we didn't rank the heroes. Um, although it is interesting to think of putting Paul Walker and Vin Diesel as a team. That I might do at some point. Yeah, maybe this one. But like, they're so different. Yeah, I mean, there's like scenes at the beginning when they're stealing the cars are pretty sweet. But yeah, like that's a cool heist. I know. I really like the pulling the car yeah, over. Yeah. yeah, that's a cool theory. Um, so it looks like I put uh, this directly behind Under Siege and directly ahead of Kingsman Secret Service. I put it at number 37. And I put mine at 44 directly behind Furious 7 and oh. right ahead of Gone in 60 Seconds. Gone in 60 Seconds. So you like this movie not as much as Furious 7. I didn't realize you liked 7 as much. I I just remember watching 7 and leaving and being like, fuck, that was awesome. Yeah. Like, that was a good time. And you know what? I maybe I felt the same way when I left five. Yeah. But there still is that sticking in my head of when I walked out of seven, you know, however many months ago, and it just being like, God, this movie was really kinda crazy and kinda dumb, but really enjoyable. It pains me that Tombstone is behind this movie. I know. I thought I I saw that I put there, I was like, Oh man, I'm gonna never gonna hear the end of that. Um so that is where we rank the films, guys. Eventually at some point there will be like a comprehensive list we can put up somewhere. We should figure out where to do that. Like Mm -hmm. if it's a pinned tweet maybe on the Twitter 
that has the lists that you can just like scroll through them. Yeah, maybe that's what we should do. We got to do that. It'd be fun for people to see the whole list because we just reference it for a second here. Then if we could like link a drive, a link a drive link that they can't edit, and they can just see them updated all the time. But yeah, it looks sounds complicated. Sloppy. I feel yeah. like there you we could upload like a, a tweet that had four pictures. Mm-hmm. I think you can do that multiple pictures in one tweet, and it would just the four slides, and they could just scroll through them. Yeah, we could just update it every week. Okay, um, try that out. So uh, we're going we're to do something new here right now. Um, we don't want to do a recast. So what we decided we would do is three actors or actresses that we both thought would be sweet to pitch for future Fast and the Furious franchise movies. Because they keep adding people, Jason Statham and Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, just like who do you think would be an awesome ad? Um, I don't even, you don't even necessarily have to have a character. It's just like no, find just a place people for that you would like to see in the franchise. So I'm going to start with, <clears throat> with our boy. Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. He fits. Oh, that's awesome. He fits so fucking hard. Oh, that's great. Right? Yeah, I He's think he'd be very good in there. Amazing. Just <laughs> as a bad guy? I don't even know. Maybe just a drunk at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> just an alcoholic in <laughs> yeah. the movie. Maybe maybe he owns a ch- maybe he owns a shop. And but he's like they you know they go to tune cars up and he owns a shop and when the, when shit goes south he like jumps in and he like uh-huh. helps him you know because he's actually a badass ex military yeah ranger battalion ranger battalion just put Mike Banning in these movies <laughs> that's all you need <laughs> um, I went with uh, Jai Courtney oh yeah he fits I just feel like he's this so the type of person to be in one of these movies even though I don't really like him that much so you're doing the thing that I found myself doing repeatedly as I'm coming up to this list where I was like. Yeah, that guy feels like he would fit in the movie. Right. I, I did the same thing with Mark Wahlberg, where I was like, Oh, oh you yeah. put Wahlberg in, too. I didn't use him. Oh, that's I, a good one, though, I think. Right. In my mind, I was like, oh, Wahlberg would fit. And then I was just like, but do I really want to see Wahlberg in these movies? Like, do I think he makes them better? Right. And I was like, I don't know if he does. Same with Jack Courtney. It's like, he he fits like he's like, he like feels like these movies. Right. But like... Does he make them better? I don't know. I like Jack Courtney, so maybe he does. I don't think he really would, but he was just one of those. Uh, I just he like he just was the first person that Came popped in my head. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is an interesting one. Sigourney Weaver. So because I think Sigourney Weaver, I like the idea of having like a matriarchal, like powerful female figure who's like some sort of a crime boss, yeah. or it's like you know kills one of them or is holding them hostage. You think Sigourney over uh, over Julianne Moore for that? They'd both be sweet. Right. I just Weaver's just really badass. She is, and and I just think like I was trying to imagine like a situation where she's actually somebody's mom, maybe, um, you know, or she's someone's. Gro- but like just the idea of her being like, she doesn't ever drive, and then like she has to, she's like really, sick. she's like really good sick. at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Sigourney Weaver. So, um, <laughs> this is a weird one, but I want Sam Worthington. He's the same guy as Jack Courtney. He looks <laughs> exactly. The, he looks he's exact, but he's smaller. But the thing is, is that this guy was on top of the world six years ago. <laughs> they just go to his brothers. They just they should go, they're yeah. just twin brothers. Yeah. And the third one is the same thing. All three of them are the same fucking thing, which is why I want to switch out the third one. Who they're all buzz cut white guys? Well, the other one's Charlie Hunnam <laughs> because of it. But instead of him, I crossed him out and I put in Taron Edgerton. <laughs> I just, want Taron Edgerton to be in more movies. You're just going with like muscular, good looking, buzz cut white guys. Taron Edgerton is not any of those things. <laughs> He's white. He it, is muscular. They all he could fit. shave his hair. They all fit. Well, that's the thing is that like that's with these movies. Yeah, that's the point. That's what you get. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I know exactly. That's the other direction you can right. go. Is you can make this an ex- fucking Expendables movie. Yeah. That's like what it starts to feel like. Um, Channing Tatum drops the mic. Channing Tatum. <laughs> I like it. He can because he can do action, but he's funny. Oh, totally. And I love I love his comic relief. I just feel like he would definitely steal the show, just like The Rock did. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm I'm fine. Yeah. With. Would he be a good guy or a bad guy? I don't I know. See him be a bad guy. If he's a bad guy, I have a hard time taking him seriously. Yeah. If he's a good guy, 
you know, this actually might be the this might be the wrong direction for him. This might be like putting Chatting Tatum in GI Joe and just like he just sucks. Right. He's just like not interesting. He's like he's at his best when he's able to be like handsome but also poke fun at himself. But Sam Rockwell is a bad guy. I love Rockwell in these movies. Yeah, that's a great. That'd idea. be sweet. Yeah, like the, right. like basically the Iron Man two bad guy. Ignore everything else I said. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so that pretty much wraps us up. We are going to get into categories right now. Which of the three action movie categories does this movie fit into? There are three categories. Totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Uh, totally legitimate are movies like The Matrix, The Fugitive, Terminator 2. They're very grounded. They hold together extremely well. They're well-reviewed, hmm. dramatic. There are totally ridiculous movies that like Face Off and Con Air that are just absurd and laughable the whole way through. And there are movies that are ridiculously legitimate, which are kind of the hybrid category of like really grounded with a couple a couple bits maybe some drama some performances but like kind of make you laugh unintentionally at a bunch of different parts right They're, they tend to be our favorites that's like point break speed um you know the predator, rock predator the rock yeah uh so which of those three categories is fast five and that's a hard one it is tough but you know what i think i'm gonna go back to stephen cole's uh review here it says always preposterous though never actually silly knowingly funny without ever being self-conscious I believe, like, I partially agree with that, but I think it knows it's funny and it's self-conscious. Like, yeah. I do think it falls in the middle category. It, it totally falls in the middle category for me because there's too many, there's too many things about it that are like, there's too many things about this movie that I could go up to the bathroom and come back or go refill my popcorn and come back, right. miss something, and it matters. It does zero. not matter. Yep. I missed nothing. But you don't ever find yourself sitting there and being like, God, really? Yeah. Really? You yeah. know? Like, like Gal Gadot, we see her bikini scene, and she gets a handprint, and that's how they get the... It's like, I could just miss the whole scene, and it just doesn't mean anything. No, you could totally I, forget about the you scene. Could, you could miss most of the movie, and, and it just continues. So that's... So does that make it... I, it, makes it uh, makes it in the middle category. Yeah. Ridiculously legitimate. Because, okay. because the action's super engaging. The Rock is super commanding. It's, yep. it's fun. That you, you It's really fun to watch. It's engaging the whole time. But you definitely tune out at times, because it's like... this Because you little, don't need to. It's a little too silly. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would say. All right, we got. Uh, I think we got one more thing today. Yeah, it's called um, the pitch. Um, we've been taking uh, submissions from you guys the last few weeks, and we've been pulling movies to pull against each other on our Twitter, which is at AMA Podcast. We're going to ask for two things from you guys right now. Yep. Um, the first one is new segments. We would like to add some segments to the show. So if you guys have things that you think would be fun, little games that we can play that don't take longer than two or three minutes, similar to the ones we've done on the show. Go ahead and pitch them. You can tweet them at AMA Podcast. I'm at Ben, ben Bateman Media. Uh, I am at Andrew Guy. And don't put them in the live chat because I'm. It, this is going to be lost real soon. Yeah. Put them on YouTube. Um, you can even – I guess we don't have an email, but um, leave them on YouTube. Uh, you know, just, just like outline them in a couple sentences. And, and, and if you want to give us a name for it, we'll, we'll see if we like it and maybe try it out. Maybe we'll yeah. just test it out one week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we will definitely test them out. There's no reason not to. So that is one. And then two is we're going to pitch two movies right now against each other. And this is going to be laughable for you guys, but it's okay because we have to do all of the movies that we we like. We sure do. So 20 years ago, there was a movie that came out called The Ghost and the Darkness. I've never seen this film. It is awesome. So The Ghost and the Darkness are the names of the two killer lions that Michael Douglas and Val Kilmer are hunting down because they're terrorizing a town and killing everybody. It is 
awesome. It's a sweet 96 movie. Kilmer's on top of his game. Douglas is still super sweet. And they're just like awesome hunters with killer lions. We're on board with this, even though I've never seen it, because The Edge was such a success. Right. And The Edge is another 90s movie about people chasing an animal or being chased by an animal <laughs> right. that's like really under the radar and just did, it was like the, maybe the most fun we've ever had on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm fully in. Um, I'm going to pitch another film. And it came out about 10 years ago, I believe. Uh, yeah, just about. I think it was 2006-ish. 2007. 7, okay. This was the second to last. No, no, this wasn't the second to last. This must have been the next movie he made after Man on Fire, I guess. Yeah, there's dominoes in between. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Scott made five Denzel Washington movies. You guys know how much I love and Andrew loves Tony Scott. Love them together. Huge penchant for, for uh, Tony Scott working with Denzel Washington. Um, Deja Vu, also Val Kilmer. Yeah. So... Uh, it's fat Kilmer, and it's though. fat Kilmer. So either way, it's yeah. a win-win for me. I don't yeah. really care. Uh, and this movie's actually not great, but very sweet. Like I'm a big fan of this movie. The last time I watched it, I was like, "This movie is just actually sweet." Denzel's at his best. It's better than you think it's going to be. Yeah, this movie. It's Jim Caviezel plays the villain. Caviezel, Ka- Ka- Jesus. <laughs> um, it's it's sweet. I I like it. I enjoyed this movie a lot. And it was the first time I saw Fat Kilmer. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. He had been missing for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, those are the two movies, guys. It's going to be it's gonna be The Ghost in the Darkness versus Deja Vu. We're going to put up a poll at MA Podcast. Go vote. Let us know what you think. And other than that, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.